Welcome to the Max Moo Theater and Performance Podcast, a podcast about theater and performance in New York City beyond Broadway. This is our May preview. We chat about what we're looking forward to at the theater this month. Enjoy the show. Okay, it's been recording for two minutes. For and it real? Hasn't died. So oh, we're yeah. gonna try I'm tremendously this. excited about this. This is playing with fire, so I'm nervous, but let's do it. Just keep an eye on the on the thing. That's my plan. Okay. Let's start with introductions, Jack. Hi, I'm Jack. I am uh, the literary associate at the Joseph Pat Public Theater uh, in New York City. And uh, as always, my views on this podcast are my own. And Jose? And I'm Jose Solis from stagebuddy.com. And I'm Lindsay, the podcast tech troubleshooter, which is... (laughs) The Mac Whisperer. A bad sign for us all. We are here to preview what we're excited to see in May. Why don't you kick us off, Jack? I just hear David Levy's voice going, it's May, it's May, the lusty month of May. I feel like he <laughs> does. He would do that every year at this episode. Um, that's my David impression. Um, okay, so there's a whole bunch of stuff uh, going on in May. We're, we're in the transition period of you know spring seasons officially wrapping up. And then summer season kicking into high gear, which is a little weirder. And I imagine we'll talk more about that in June. But I want to talk about a bunch of stuff. Um, but the first thing I want to talk about is actually two plays in rep at our friends at the New York Theater Workshop in collaboration with our other friends at the Playwrights Realm, both of whom have had really great years in developing new plays. So there are two plays that are being performed in rep, both by M. Funiso Udofia, who is a playwright that I have loved for a couple of years now. And uh, she has been hard at work mostly on a cycle of plays called the Ufot Cycle, which is nine plays, all of which are sort of vaguely centered around the same family that has roots in Nigeria and sort of a coming to America, uh, establishing life in America, returning to Nigeria kind of a story. So two of those plays are being performed in rep. The two plays are called Sojourners, and the other one is called Her Portmanteau. Now, some of you may recognize the name Sojourners because that actually, that play was produced by the Playwrights Realm in their season last year. And that was a story, is a story, that is about a a Nigerian woman who uh, has immigrated with her husband to Houston, Texas in the 1970s. And so it's a play that's about assimilation, it's a play about home, it's a play about differing uh, perspectives on what it means to be an immigrant, what it means to be an American. And so that play I saw in last last year, and I kind of fell in love with it and fell in love with Enfoniso's voice as a result of it. Um, there's, there's a sort of magical quality to her writing. There's a deeply political quality to her writing. She writes gorgeous characters. And so now we not only do you get a chance to see it again at New York Theater Workshop, but you also get a chance to see uh, one of its companion plays, Her Portmanteau, which is about the same main character, takes place a couple decades later. And there's a, there's a, a reuniting of a sort of uh, otherwise displaced family uh, or separated family. And there's a further raising of stakes in terms of American traditions. Uh, coming up, rubbing up against Nigerian traditions. So I'm very excited to see these in rep. And the thing that I'm going to be doing that is sort of odd, because I've seen Sojourners already, is I'm going to see her portmanteau first, and then I'm going to go see Sojourners. So you can see the full schedule for both plays. It is possible to see both in one afternoon. But I'm kind of seeing it the way that it's not supposed to be seeing. I'm mm. seeing the one that takes place, the one that, that uh, chronologically takes place later. I'm seeing that first and then seeing Sojourners again. I think this is a great opportunity to uh, to see a relatively young playwright 
kind of in their first major production in the New York Off-Broadway Theater. It's largely the same cast and creative team as uh, for Sojourners as it was at the Playwrights Realm. It's still being directed by Ed Iskandar. Some of my favorite actors are in, including Chinaza Uche, who is just a revelation of an actor. Yeah, and this they, they're in previews now, uh, so... I would get the to the New York Theater Workshop to see this. I just want to add two things about the history of this podcast and these plays. The first is that we saw Sojourners when it was at Playwrights Realm or by Playwrights Realm at Playwrights Horizons. And we talked about that on the podcast. So if you're interested in hearing how that first production went, I'll link to that on the show page. And the second is that there's an actress in her portmanteau, Adiperio Oduye, who a friend of mine... Busayo Olupono interviewed on the Max Mu podcast a while ago. That is one of my favorite things mm. we have ever released through our stream since creating this podcast four years ago. It's very different from a lot of other Max Mu things, but Adipero's story is amazing. She's not, this is, you know, years ago, so she does not talk about this play in that interview, but she talks about her history and becoming an actor and struggling through that scene in New York city. And it was, that interview was right after 12 years a slave, which she is in and which, you know, won the Academy award. And she talks about that experience. It is such a wonderful interview. I highly, highly recommend going back and finding that and listen to it. Yeah. It is so good. And I'm super excited for that play in particular because she's in it. Yeah, yeah. And there's also something really exciting about, just to put these in a slightly larger context, these plays, is that there's kind of this moment happening in American theater for Nigerian and Nigerian-American playwrights. Because while we're talking about Mfuniso's work, we have, as I speak, Jocelyn Bio, the fantastic actress who is seen in uh, Brandon Jacobs, Jenkins, Everybody, who's a playwright in her own right, has Nollywood Dreams happening at the Cherry Lane. Out in Los Angeles, Ngozi Anyanwu had her astonishing play, Good Grief, happen out there. There's, there's just, I love that. I love when there's sort of this this bubbling up of, of um, you know, sort of a community within the American theater community that all, you have a bunch of people kind of rising up together. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Excellent. Okay, Jose. So before writing Winnie the Pooh, A.A. A. Milne was just a regular bloke. I mean, he probably was never a regular bloke. But anyway, in like 1919, he wrote a play called The Lucky One. And he said... In the, he actually wrote in the uh, introduction to the play that he never thought anyone would ever produce a show because it was called The Lucky One. He was very wrong because like, just like three years after he wrote it, it was on Broadway. And it was his one of the six plays he had on Broadway in like the span of like two years in like the 1920s. So now the Mint Theater Company is bringing uh, The Lucky One back to the stage. Uh, Mint Theater... Uh, highlights works that are kind of obscure. Like a lot of the shows that I've seen by them, produced by them, are like things by maybe uh, lesser known playwrights or more famous playwrights, but things that never get done. So they have this like lovely quality, which I find, I don't know, like I find kind of like comforting nowadays, mm -hmm. which is like they, I feel like I'm in a time machine. And every time I go to one of their shows, I feel like I'm going to go out and it's going to be like, I don't know, like everyone's going to be like dressed like, out of like Hello Dolly. Yes. Yeah, like horse characters and everything. Absolutely. But anyway, so The Lucky One is a story about two brothers, Gerald and Bob, who are, you know, like brothers on stage, which means they don't like each other and they fight. So <laughs> when, 
So when Bob comes to Gerald for some help when he's like in some legal trouble, uh, his brother doesn't help him, so all hell set, you know, like breaks loose. So the play is already. Oh my god, I did the thing. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jose's referring to the the popping of the lips. Yeah, that, I will have deleted all that, so you won't have to hear it, listeners. <laughs> so you like can't cut it out now. We just talked about it. Can't I was gonna about but the it. conversation will have to remain. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, the 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 lucky one's actually open right now. It started previous, just like a couple of weeks ago, and it runs through June 25th. So I really would go see anything by the Mint Theater Company. Their production values are so rich. Everything is like so beautiful. And the quality of the ensembles they usually put together is like, I don't know, like uh, there was a show they did last year, A Day by the Sea, mm. which had, I think, like the tightest ensemble I saw in any show last year. It was amazing. So the lucky one sounds like a lucky bet. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> Were you is going for a, a pull quote there? I don't I, Yeah, probably. <laughs> is it a musical? It's not a musical. Oh, okay. Unfortunately. I didn't, think, I didn't think you mentioned it being a musical, but then I was thinking, is Jose talking about something that's not a musical? Sometimes I do that. I <laughs> so know. I you turn everything into a clarify. musical. All right, cool. That's exciting. Okay, I'm going to talk about a sort of double bill, which is Arlington by Enda Walsh at St. Anne's Warehouse mm. and also Rooms by Enda Walsh at... The, well, by the Irish Arts Center at Cybert Tire, which is on 51st and 11th Avenue. It is the future home of Irish Arts Center. They're currently in a huge capital That's campaign right. to turn this old tire shop into what will, I'm sure, be a very gorgeous performance space. But in the meantime, it is this installation by Enda Walsh that had its premiere at the Galway International Arts Center. I believe these are all co-productions between these organizations. It is three rooms that one looks like a hotel room, one a girl's bedroom, and one a kitchen. And there is a voiceover, I believe, providing a narrative about a recent inhabitant of the room. It takes about 50 minutes to experience all three the installation, you experience it with only six other people, so I think it's quite small audience. Ooh. And the tickets are about, or not about, they are $20. So that's what's happening with the Irish Arts Center. And then Arlington is a play that I did a bunch of research on in order to talk about it on this podcast and actually can't provide you any additional information <laughs> because the description is just highly convoluted. So in lieu of me trying to describe it, I read the reviews from the Galway International Arts Festival. Everybody really liked it. It's a hybrid dance performance, multimedia. I think there's a very high-tech set involved. I, all that sounds very cool. Um, in terms of narrative, I'll just read this. Isla waits in a waiting room in a tower as a man watches her, documents her every move, move and pulls her dreams from her. What does that mean? Those are words <laughs> in a sentence. That has no meaning. I know what all those words mean. Exactly. In this brave new world, Endo Walsh dares to imagine that the individual might somehow survive and that there's still a place for love. Whatever. <laughs> so... 
Oh, I also wanted to add the choreographer is Emma Martin because this is a dance, is a, in part a dance piece. Oh. So I was thinking about Enda Walsh and the last time we talked about him on the podcast, which was the last hotel, which is part of the January festivals two seasons ago. And I believe it was Jack who previewed it and gave this like such a gorgeous description of Enda Walsh's work and how <laughs> poetic and what a wordsmith he is. And I was thinking, all true. And then we all went to see The Last Hotel, and I think we all hated it. I don't even know if we even... I think we might not even have talked about it on the podcast because we hated it so much. <laughs> and then I was thinking, like, oh, and he did Lazarus, which is one of those plays or musicals where I went. And, and the whole time I was like, I have no idea what's going on, but this is, like, crazy shit up there on the stage. Mm -hmm. It's, like, totally... Like, my neurons are all firing trying to figure out what's going on because it was crazy. And then he did this play called Penelope at St. Anne's, which is... This was many years ago, and I remember being perplexed by it and really liking it. And then, of course, he did The Book for Once, which is this kind of like very mainstream, very popular, very successful musical. And so as I was doing the research, I realized, like, I don't know if I've ever really loved anything by Enda Walsh, <laughs> but I still want to go see this play. And or I, it's definitely a play with um, some music underneath it is definitely not a musical. I would not go in with that expectation. It sounds very haunting, possibly very political, a lot about loneliness and love and desperation. I, I, I'm curious to see it, but um, I don't know. Jack, you should talk about Enda Walsh because you're way better at that than me. Yo, here's my thing with Enda Walsh. Is it like, the thing, I, I'm with you in that I feel like uh, the, the, in the past few years, uh, I've experienced Enda's work mostly in collaboration, right? He's written the book for musicals and things yeah. like that. And I always feel like the thing I love about Enda is a little bit muted in that, I think, but, but and that's not a dig necessarily. Right. It's just like you're in collaboration and you're you're finding one voice from many voices, mm -hmm. from the composer and the book writer. But I just remember seeing Enda's uh, at St. Anne's Warehouse, uh, my first year um, back in New York, seeing uh, Mr. Man, the, okay. the, the, I didn't the see that. solo show that Killian Murphy was in, which turned St. Anne's Warehouse into to this jungle gym of just macabre insanity that I just love. There, there is, there is a, there is an impish, nimble, ghastly quality to Enda's writing when he's when he's like really fired up the furnace within his soul. Like there's something about his language that is genuinely terrifying and moving. I don't want to. Uh, paint sort of, you know, contemporary Irish playwrights with too broad a brush, but there is a quality in playwriting from Ireland that ha that Enda kind of um, has deep in his soul that I, I just, I find really intoxicating. It's, um, it's naughty and it's literate at the same time. I don't know. It's just, so I keep waiting for that second hit because when I saw Mr. Man, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And I haven't gotten quite... I've gotten little. I've I've gotten Enda Walsh like cut with other drugs. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? But I want that. <laughs> I want that free base hit of Enda Walsh back in my life. So hopefully this will provide. Jack some of that. is chasing the dragon. Chasing, chasing the Enda Walsh dragon. Anyway, it's only ninety minutes, so hey, <laughs> can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Okay, Jack, what do you have next? Thank you for contributing to the yeah, I'm happy very to. paltry so, introduction of that play. I'm also going to talk about something of an installation piece that I don't have that much detail about, but I'll tell you why I'm excited about it anyway. So our friends at 3LD, Three-Legged Dog, which is sort of a theatrical multimedia space in uh, the financial district. You've heard us talk about it a million times mm -hmm. on this podcast. Um, they're doing a big, ambitious thing called Three-Fifths. 
which if you know 3LD, it's uh, a lovely little space that has, I think, like three performance spaces. There's like one hallway and they have like a larger space and two smaller spaces. But this, this, this thing, this installation performance piece is taking up the entirety of 3LD's spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, as the name would suggest, uh, three-fifths is, um, it's described as a radically interactive romp through America's racist minefields. So we're going to be talking about slavery. We are going to be talking about inherited trauma from that that uh, people today still uh, have uh, from slavery. We're going to talk about police brutality. We're going to basically talk about slavery and all of its children, basically, um, that has continued to plague and define America um, for for generations. So there's a this is a, a play that is written by someone named James Scruggs, who I'm actually not terribly familiar with. I am, however, familiar with the two directors who are um, sort of trying to wrestle this giant piece to the ground. Um, they are Tamala Woodard and Kareem Fami, two relatively young directors who I adore. Um, I've seen their work um, at all stages of production and think that they're both brilliant. The thing that's curious to me is that they're working on something together because they're very different directors. I love when this happens, when um, two artists sort of work hand-in-hand on a project that have very different artistic sensibilities. Kareem is kind of a brilliant I, I, I lo- uh, the best way I can describe it is Kareem has this really deft hand with storytelling. I've seen him do very sort of bombastic, sort of like thrilling work um, and, and imbue it with um, incredible energy um, and wit. And I've also seen him do very quiet plays really well. Tamala is a bit of an experimentalist. And she she's actually someone that I would associate more with something like this in the sense that I've seen her do installation work before. She experiments a lot with multimedia in her work. Um, and the fact that they're doing this together makes me very excited. So it sounds like, yeah, again, this is taking place in their uh, 3LD's entire space. It sounds like there's going to be different rooms. And basically the theme of the of the evening is that you're at this sort of slavery-themed theme park called uh, Supremacy Land. And the three rooms, are, there's one called the Private Prison, one called the Atrocity Carnival, and one called the Cabaret. And I don't know if I should say too much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what order they're in and stuff like that. I just, I really can't wait to go to this. It just sounds, um, it doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun, you know, in the sense, in like, it's, it's not Hello Dolly, right? Um, but I think it's going to, I'm looking forward to, um, seeing this history through, um, a slightly, you know, funhouse mirror kind of thing. I feel like that'll that 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 tends to dig up earth that uh, tends to be left settled when you um, add a little bit of of nihilism and 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 um, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the word is, but like if you add a little bit of sort of like carnival um, aspect to it, it's gonna it's gonna dig up some weird shit. So you're not gonna be comfortable, but I think this I, everyone involved that I know is amazing. So I'm, I'm excited to go. And I'll just add that if you are interested in following along with the Max Moo podcast, we will be attending that and talking about it in our mid-May episode. Cool. I'll have seen it by then, too, so I'll like yell at you guys via Twitter. Okay. Oh, I look forward to that. Okay, Jose? I'm saving all my musicals for last, and I'm going to preview another play right now. Oh my. oh, my. I know, right? The restraint, Jose, the restraint. Because they're so exciting. Anyway, it's uh, Seven Spots on the Sun by Martin Zimmerman which is being produced at uh, Rattlesticks Playwrights Theater, but it's a sole project 
production. And we've uh, talked about this whole project before, which is this, I mean, what episode? I don't know. It's out there. Go find it. Anyway, the, <laughs> the soul project's like amazing. Yeah. And Martin Zimmerman's play takes place in a Latin American village that has been without its doctor for like almost two years. And he refuses to see any patients because the regime or whatever who's like destroying his country took away his wife. And he, after refusing to see patients, one day he realizes that he's able to heal people with his touch. So will he want to go and help them? Or is he want to, I don't know, going to stay home and be bitter, rightfully bitter, by the way. So Martin's a very interesting writer. He's done some work. I've actually never seen any of his plays. Oh, yeah. You are... Because I, I missed on the exhale, which Roundabout just just produced, and uh, he, I, I mostly know his TV work because he was one of the writers in Narcos, and he's also working mm-hmm. on a show called uh, Ozark, I think, with Laura Lini. So mm-hmm. hey, Laura. So I'm really looking forward to this because like I, I interviewed Martin last year about the Soul Project, and he made it sound like this like magic. I know this is a cliche to talk about magic realism every time we're talking about Latin America. But he talked about that magic quality, which I feel it's a great time for American audiences to see that on stage, right? And uh, Seven Spots has already played in the West Coast, but I believe this is the New York premiere. I want to say the East Coast premiere even. So I'm really looking forward to that. And that runs from April 26th to June 4th. Can I go on a mild Enda Walsh-esque rant about Martin Zimmerman? Go for it. It'll be brief. <laughs> um, I... I, okay, the short version is Martin Zimmerman is one of my favorite and the flat out the most exciting playwrights alive and working today. I'm obsessed with Martin Zimmerman. On the Exhale is, uh, I could go on and on about it, but it is quite, quite simply the best play about the subject of gun violence in America that I've ever seen. I thought the roundabout production was flawless and beautiful. And the thing about Martin is that he um, he's an incredibly versatile writer. Ever, I've never read a bad play of his, and I've read probably six or seven plays of his at this point. And when he does dip into a little bit of this, this the, uh, when magic creeps its way into his work, which is about half the time, by my estimation, um, he creates something that does not, the magic does not feel tapped on. It feels like it comes up from the earth that we all walk on every day. I'm absolutely thrilled and excited for this play. I just, Martin is, like, he, you're going to be seeing a lot of plays by Martin Zimmerman in New York in the years to come, so why not, why not get, get in early um, while the tickets are relatively cheap? Cool. That sounds great. Okay, I want to talk about a new play from Jonna Adams, who is a playwright that I first saw at the Contemporary American Theater Festival in Shepherdstown, West Virginia, which is a fantastic festival. I think a lot of people roll their eyes at the idea of seeing new American plays in West Virginia, but actually the Shepherdstown is super cute. And the vibe during the festival is really fun. And I had a great time visiting it. This is way back in 2012. But anyway, that play Gideon's Not finally got a New York run a couple of years ago and has been had regional productions all over the country. It's really, really fantastic. 
And then I saw another play by her called, which has my, my, my favorite title of a play ever, Lick Spittles, Buttonholers, and Damned Pernicious Go-Betweens, which is a very long three-hour play written in verse, which, I don't know, didn't sound like a good idea, but actually was super funny and so fun and fantastic. I really, really loved it. So she has a new play coming up by, that is being produced by Flux Theater Ensemble, which we've talked about some of their shows before. It's called World Builders, and it is a play about two people with severe mental illness who live their lives in a fantasy world, and they are in a drug experiment that will quote-unquote cure them of their mental illness and destroy their fantasy worlds and so it's these two people who are going through this experience a man and a woman and the i think the full title might be world builders a love story so i think there's a a relationship that develops between these two individuals i think Jonna has the ability to write about very difficult, sensitive, emotional topics with a finesse that is unique amongst working playwrights today. I think her plays are so beautiful. Her grasp of the English language and this ability to spin poetry in these and to create humor in the context of like such challenging topics I, th I think it is so great I, I I'm kind of disappointed in theater actually for not recognizing her work more I think she's so talented I wish she could attract a larger audience mm. but anyway I'm really happy that Flux is doing this I think they're a fantastic theater company and I'm looking forward to it great Jock um I am going to talk about a musical huh <gasps> I know. Uh, this actually uh, is a return engagement of a musical. Uh, this is a musical that is called Baghdadi. And this is a musical I saw in an off, or uh, um, a nonprofit run, I think like two years ago, I want to say. Um, and it is, it's a music and book by Marshall Palet, uh, lyrics and book by A.D. Pinedo, um, and uh, directed by uh, Marshall Palet as well. It is a funny until it's not musical retelling of the beginning of the war in Iraq um, that's sort of loosely based on the book and the actual person curveball if we can remember all the way back to 2002 2003 he was the sort of uh, he was the sort of shadowy source uh, in Iraq that uh, gave the United States and other uh, European countries um, a lot of the a lot of the intel that led to waging the war in Iraq, um, who, and a lot, and of course, as the war waged on, we learned that Curveball, uh, which is the code name for this person, um, ended up being kind of full of shit. <laughs> the thing that it's amazing, and you know, and the House of Cards came tumbling down, and we entered into that horrible, unjust war. The thing that is really remarkable about this musical to me is that the the t look <laughs> the title sucks. Um, it's called Baghdadi. It used to be called Who's Your Baghdadi. <gasps> I know, and I remember getting my ticket to this show and sitting there going like, "This has got to be the worst title. This is not going to be great." It is one of the most thoughtful, subtle, 
theatrical investigations of the Iraq War I've ever seen. Hmm. It's sort of it, it's it's a, it kind of moves like a thrill a little bit because you know it's, we have many protagonists. We have you know low level CIA operatives. We have um, soldiers. We have the Secretary of Defense. You know we have you know high and low you know people uh, who were part of this this war waging. Um, and the thing that really struck me is that you, it kind of examines the everyday quotidian decisions and mistakes that lead to world-changing events. And it does so with a little bit of humor, um, a little bit of a wink to the audience, but also does not in any way undercut or devalue or take the portent out of the weight of waging war. It's it's a beautiful, delicate dance that this musical does. I don't quite know how they do it. I'm looking forward to seeing it again. So this was, I saw this at the St. Luke's Theater on 46th Street two years ago. It's back in the same space, which is it's a lovely in-the-round, kind of intimate space that is actually a repurposed church. And this is now a commercial run that is happening in the same space, um, I believe with largely the same um, cast. So I'm really excited to, to see this again and to encourage people who missed it last time to go see it it's what again i know what you're thinking about what this musical miss musical is or could be i promise you you're wrong it's um it's really worth checking out cool and you're like santa claus because i'm seeing that like next week and i didn't know it was a musical so yay oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, and the music's good. Like that's it's another thing. Like especially like young, I'm always get excited when I see like young composers and creative teams like making fucking good musicals because it just doesn't. We don't tend in the American theater. We don't tend to invest in people like that very often. So, so I'm gonna follow Jack's like theme and stay in like the dark musicals realm, and talk about the boy who danced on air, which is getting a, a New York premiere at the Abingdon Theater Company, and this uh, musical focuses on a practice that I didn't know about called Baha Bazi, which is practiced in Afghanistan. And basically it means that rich, pervy, gross, older men adopt, and I'm doing like air quotes, uh, little boys to sexually abuse them, but also train them as dancers. So the, the musical is about two of these boys who are part of this like practice who end up like falling in love and through their dance and music, I hope, because I haven't seen the show, I managed to escape all these terrible things. This is, again, uh, a new musical with music by Tim Rosser and a book lyrics by Charlie um, Son, Sane. And I don't know, it sounds really dark. And I was like, why would anyone want to do a musical about this? But I'm looking forward to it. Like the reviews from its California run were pretty impressive. Hmm. So I'm really looking forward to that. And it's running from May 15th to June 11th. That's so fascinating. Because I, I, I did know about that practice, and I've actually I've read books, and I've actually read plays that are about this particular practice in Afghanistan. And one of the things that neither in any, in any form I've ever read when I've read about this practice, music isn't brought up at all, even though clearly dance is a big part of this horrific practice but I, I'm very curious to see if like that if it like if local styles of music are used in this musical or not because that's a piece I've always been missing from the story it's like what does that look like what does it sound like um yeah I'll, 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 I'll go with you <laughs> find out 
Okay, I wanted to talk about The Marriage of Alice B. Toklas by Gertrude Stein, which is a play written and directed by Edward Einhorn, who has a theater company called Untitled Theater Number 61. And I saw a play by him a few years ago called Pig or Vaclav Havel's Hunt for a Pig at 3LD that I really, really liked. It was about President Havel and all of the things that happened under uh, in the Czech Republic. So anyway, that has nothing to do with this. But under was, the president playwright. I always love that he's... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> such a fabulous human being. Since then, this theater company has put on several plays that have been very well received, although I haven't seen any of them, but I want to mention them in case you have. City of Glass, which was at the New Ohio, The Iron Heel, which is at Judd church and the god project at la mama so the main reason i'm excited about this play in addition to wanting to catch back up with edward's work is that mia katigbach has been cast as gertrude stein and i love her and i want to see everything she does sold yeah right all you ever need to say about this is mia katigbach as gertrude stein yep yeah. Done. so <laughs> i will stop there now, does anybody else have anything they want? Oh, let me just mention, it's at here. Please. It's May 10th through the 28th, and the tickets are $25. Gorgeous. Okay, does anyone have anything else they would like to mention? I, I just, I'm just... I want to mention, I was saving my my, my, my most excited... Oh, so you yeah, have more? I'm not even making any sense. Yeah, because I, I wanted to save like the thing that I'm most excited about for last. Oh, please do. Go ahead. Yeah. So I even had like a whole intro ready for it. And now I forgot about it. But it was like, it would go something like this. <laughs> for every <laughs> for every Sweeney Todd mm. and company, mm. there's a Merrily We Roll Along and a Pacific Overtures. Mm -hmm. I see like, what you did. Like I do see what yeah. you did. So yeah, like classic stage companies doing Pacific Overtures, which is one of, I think, Stephen Sondheim's like greatest musicals. But one, again, of those that it closed, it ran for six months on Broadway. Six months. Isn't that insane? Probably people weren't ready for that. Like, people weren't ready for most of the things Sondheim did. When was this? When did, when did it debut? 1976. 76? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And wow. it was, yeah. It's old. It, <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's a show that I feel is really appropriate right now because it's about the uh, westernization of Japan. So it basically focuses on the, what was it, like, friendship between, like, a samurai and a fisherman and how... All these random white people from the West come and like try to take over their culture and how to try to influence their culture. I like to compare it to Martin Scorsese's Silence, which just came out over the uh, holidays. And I thought it was Martin Scorsese's. I think it's probably my favorite of his movies, but it went wow. and, you know, it came and went by so quickly in the States. Mm -hmm. Like, no one really paid attention to it. Right. No one really discussed it much. Uh, all the criticisms of the movie were on a very surfacey level. And it was, like, the first of his movies in, like, at least 15 years that didn't get, like, nominated for the Best Picture Oscar. Yeah, it really did yeah. just not even engage anybody. And it's a movie that, like, Pacific Overtures deals with this. And maybe these are things that people in America don't really want to deal with they didn't want to deal with them four years ago, and they apparently don't want to deal with them right now. So anyway, John Doyle is doing uh, the show at Classic Stage Company, and uh, George Takei is one of the 
cast members and also Anne Harada. So yay. Oh my. So yeah, I mean, really, like, there's Sorry, like I had to, you know, <laughs> had to. Yeah, like there's no reason to not give this musical a chance this time. And I would love to hear from people who think, like me, that there are some similarities between this and Silence as well. Mm. I'm, I'm sure the comments will come rushing in. Oh, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> Please go to the musicals. People. I'm going to assume that like probably no more than 10 people are going to experience both of these events. Yeah. I do need to see that movie, though. Thank you for reminding I'll me. I'll host a screening of Silence at my house, and I'll give people vodka if they come. <laughs> okay. Oh, I thought you were going to say tickets to Pacific Overture. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not wealthy. But you do have vodka. Yeah, and Pacific Overture runs through uh, June 18th. Uh, and sometimes this classic stage company's shows get uh, extended, but I would go now if you can. Because also, like, uh, they have uh, $20 tickets most Fridays as well. Yeah. So that's also important to know. Go see Sondheim, people, please. And see Sondheim in a very intimate... Okay, wow. You don't want to go see Sondheim? Mm-hmm. It's 90 minutes. No intermission. But continue. I interrupted Jack. I was going to say, I mean, also one of my favorite things to do is to see a musical at Classic Stage Company Space just because it's such an intimate space. And usually we think of in New York musicals and being in these big cavernous theaters, you know, that fill up the room. And I like seeing musicals in tiny spaces. It's just... it. You, I don't know, it feels more alive. To it me. definitely improves the dynamic. Although I will say, I don't know if I've ever seen anything in Classic Stage Company that I thought was that interesting. What about passion? I didn't see it. My heart's. I'm breaking not saying right they've now. never done anything good. I've only seen a handful of things there. Right. But the handful of things I did see, I didn't particularly enjoy. Mm. Well, there we go. Come um, see some nice people. <laughs> Can I can I mention a couple things? Yes, <laughs> I don't understand why everyone's being so bashful. I don't know because have you, I ever said no? I don't know. Actually, <laughs> that, that we should figure that out. I don't think so, but um, one day you I should. Never have. You should just Please. be like, I want to mention one more thing. And you're like, no, and it's like, bling, dee dee ding, and then the music <laughs> outro plays. That'd be really funny just to do that once. Don't do it to me. I um, might just cut this off there. Um, yeah, I know that'd be really funny. Um, real quick, last night I saw uh, because it's Broadway season, it's Tony season. I saw Doll's House Part Two by Lucas Nath on Broadway. It's fucking amazing. There are cheap tickets abounding in all kinds of different forums, so TDF and uh, Theater Mania and stuff like that. There's there's cheap tickets to be had. It's such an astonishing play, and you get to see Laurie Metcalf and Condola Rashad and Jane Howdy Shell play. I mean, it's just it's amazing. Um, I really really like it, and I want to talk to more people about it. So please go see it and then like tweet at me. And the second thing is I am going to plug my own reading series. As you should. Very briefly. So in my capacity in the literary department at the public theater, uh, I run a program called the Emerging Writers Group, which is a two-year program for early career playwrights. In June, the entire month of June, but starting um, in the last couple of days of May, we have what we call the Spotlight Series, which is a reading series of all of the playwrights' new work. So it's nine early career playwrights. We have some amazing directors attached, including Liesl Tommy and Tina Landau and Billy Porter and Sahim Ali, um, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be really great. All the readings are free. Go to publictheater.org to check them out. I would love to see you at as many um, as possible. And 
you said they're free. How do you make a reservation or go to publictheater.org um, and find the emerging writers group page and you can book your free ticket that way. Oh, you can. Yeah. Okay. The other thing to say is that um, I think by the time you hear this, um, the readings will be quote unquote sold out. Um, but because they're free, they're free readings, there tends to be some attrition. So if there is a reading that you really feel like, Oh my God, I really want to see this. Tweet just at you or tweet at me or just honestly the day of the performance, like, like, you know, a half hour before show up at the public and get on, get on stand by um because we have really really great success getting folks in um so that's one way to do it but i anyway that's my i know that's like that's conflict of interesting and stuff but it's something that i've been working on for a year and a half and we I'm, operate under a disclosure <laughs> regime so as I'm long ex- as you ex- i'm extraordinarily conflict of interest i'm extraordinarily um excited um about all these writers. Some of them you might even already know. Um, Some of them we've, I've had sh- shows that we've talked about on the podcast. MJ Kaufman, yep. who's Sagittarius Ponderosa, was at NACO. Uh, Philip Howes, who's a Frontieri, Sons Frontiers, was, had a sold out extended run at the Bushwick Star. Uh, Relentless Award finalist Liza Birkenmeyer is one of ours. It's just, and on and on and on. I'm very, very, very excited. Cool. All right. Well, thank you guys for being here today. Now let's go see some shows in May. No. Bling, dee, dee, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Max Smooth Theater and Performance Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or opinions that differ from our own, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter. Maxmoo is at Maxmoo. Jose is at Jose Solis Mayen. Jack is at Jack in Brooklyn. And I'm at Lindsay Barons. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we have merch. You can buy coffee mugs, tote bags, and stickers with your favorite Maximu-isms on them. You can get to the store via Maximu.com. All proceeds go to helping the podcast improve our sound quality. We'll be back in two weeks to chat about what we've seen beyond Broadway. See you then. Theatrical Media.